Uh, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, I'd love for you to find a place in Romans chapter 14. Uh, we'll begin reading uh, at verse 5, read down through verse number 12 in just a few minutes. Uh, we'll be turning over to Ephesians 2 later on in our message if you'd like to go ahead and bookmark that passage not too far away from Romans 14, of course, so it won't be hard to find. Uh, but my prayer has been uh, in preparation for this first Sunday of the new year, um, my prayer has been that God would lead me and, and us to a text and in a conversation around that text, because our foundation always is God's word, um, that would be edifying for us individually and also as a body. Um, so I want to kind of begin the, the conversation with these two, uh, these two constants or these two reminders that we have in front of us. Um, we begin a new year, but we set our hearts on the same God. I don't know how you felt about 2021 in retrospect. Maybe you're not sure yet because it's still too close to kind of process it all. Um, I, I know that we often hype up and get excited about a new year because of the possibilities it brings, uh, the fresh starts, the blank slates. And, and indeed, no doubt there are tons of new and fresh experiences, uh, opportunities, and of course, challenges that will come our way this year. And uh, we get close to uh, the, the book on goals and struggles and, and everything in between uh, from last year. And, and we get to uh, begin something with a clean break and a fresh start. But, you know, as we have all that new to look forward to, and, and as we have all that fresh and all that clean, I'm also glad that we enter this new year as excited about the new that I am, I'm equally and maybe even more excited that there's something old, that there's something constant that we can look forward to and rely on. And, and that is that we have the same God who has ruled and reigned over every year since the dawn of time. The same God is ruling over this year that is ruled over every year. The same God rules over 2022 that has ruled over all the thousands of years that have come before. So no matter what we face this year, we know that the same God who has carried us through every year prior to this one, and before we even got here, he will be with us. And as a follower, as a believer, we don't lose all the growth and encounters with God that we had previously. Uh, you know, in some situations that we, when we start off new, all that we had before is gone. But the good thing about being a follower of God or a believer in God, regardless of where you are in your faith journey, is what you have built on and what you have obtained so far, you get to just add to that. That the person you've been, you get to grow and continue that journey. And 2022 may be filled with familiarity. It may be filled with unknowns, but no matter what, the promise from God is that there are several constants that we can anchor our faith in. So if you want a fresh start, God is here to start something new with you and in you and for you. But if you're looking just to continue following him and build on what you started last year, maybe you, 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 you're like me sometimes, there's not enough months in the year to accomplish what you want to in that year. It's kind of how it works, right? Eventually the year ends and the goals maybe you made were not met. But the good news is, this is a next day and another day, and it's a continuation of that journey. If there are things that you didn't accomplish that you still want to, don't give up on them. Just continue building on what you laid in the previous year. And if you're looking to continue and build on what you started, God is here to continue that work in you and for you and, and around you. And my prayer, my prayer is that God would bring us to a place of unity this morning. The people, the Bible is pretty clear about how it's so important that when any, that when there is any gathering of people, that we be unified. 
and all the more as we start a new year. And all of us are unique. And all of us at distinct places in our lives. But right now is the perfect opportunity to sync our hearts together, to sync our spirits together, to harmonize our lives together. We have a fleeting opportunity on this Sunday before we begin the year in earnest to see where it takes us. And it's going to take us in different directions because we're all different people at different places in our lives. Before we get down that road, though, we have an opportunity today to come together and find a shared calling around a shared cause. Now, I'm not going to try to say that I know everybody's goals this year and that I have, and I have something to give you for everybody's individual goals. I don't know where you're at in your life, and, and I hope that everybody does well in your individual callings and causes. But my goal as a pastor, and what I really think is so important for the church to think about on this first Sunday of the year, is to remind us that we have a shared calling and we have a shared cause. And even still, though we have different goals, I hope our time today can help us adopt a shared goal that precedes and permeates all that we do, our individual ideals, hopes, and dreams for this year. And, and I think that we'll find that this shared goal, this overarching goal, if we adopt it and if we allow it to supersede and influence everything else that we do, all that we entertain and aspire to do, I think it will, uh, uh, I think it will serve a few additional purposes. Beyond just uniting us, I think it'll do a couple other things. I think it will protect us and preserve us from things that we may give ourselves to otherwise. I think it will help keep us on the straight, on the straight and narrow to keeping us from getting distracted by counterproductive things. I think it will help point us and steer us in a direction that will be for our best. So I think uh, today we often talk about New Year resolutions, which you've probably already done that and probably already broken a few, and that's okay that we can start afresh today. But instead of talking about a New Year's resolution, what I'd like to introduce today is a New Year's declaration, something that we as the people of God can declare that this is who we're going to be this year. This is what we as God's people are going to aspire to do and aspire to be. And, and as offering you something that will guide you and protect you and help you, I think it'll help determine whether or not something needs to be in your life. I think it'll help, uh, you know, you understand whether you should add something along the way. And, and I feel at peace and I feel encouraged that God has led us to this particular text that will serve this purpose, not just today, but throughout the year. I pray that we as a church and we as the children of God would open our hearts to a very important word that he has for us pertaining to the new opportunities ahead of us. So again, if you found your place in your Bibles, I'd love for you to look at Romans 14. And, and I think God's word is always appropriate no matter where or when we hear it. But I think this passage especially shines and takes on its intended meaning when it's read and heard and discussed with the gathering of God's people. That I think you can read any passage of scripture and it has a purpose for you individually and a purpose for people collectively. But I think this passage especially takes on its true meaning when the people of God hear it as a gathering, as a collective body. This text tackles the impossible question. Maybe the impossible question, hopefully not. How does a vastly diverse body become unified? The Apostle Paul dares to tackle this question in this chapter. And he addresses the body of believers and acknowledges that we're all at different places. But the writer, Paul, he does a brilliant job introducing unity to us 
to an obviously diverse audience originally and still to us today, he does a masterful job introducing this subject to a diverse audience and bringing us to our shared calling and our shared call. So God's word to us, verse five of chapter 14. Paul says, one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, and he gives thanks to God, and he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, and he gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself. None of us lives to himself or herself, and no one dies to himself or herself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. If you highlight or underline or star, verse 7, 8, and 9 are very important for us today. Verse nine, for to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? For why do you show contempt for your brother? For we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us shall give account of himself or herself to God. Now, this passage may be a bit obscure on the surface, but I want to kind of unpack it for you and help us understand why I think it's very relevant for us today. This passage was written to a church that was full of believers all across the spectrum uh, of faith with different ethnicities, with people at various places in their walk with God. There were Jewish converts to Christ who were steeped and still heavily influenced by their tradition that you can read about in the Old Testament. There were also many Gentiles, Greeks, Romans, and the likes who barely knew anything of Judaism, had never touched the Old Testament, but they had clung to Jesus because they felt the change he brought in their life and they were believing that he could make a difference for them but they did not know anything about the Judaism and the religion traditions, the traditions of the Jewish faith. This was the cause of some controversy in the church at Rome, particularly the Jewish believers were upset that the Gentile believers didn't take serious the same things that they took serious. Now that would never happen in church, would it? There were a group of people who thought that there was another group of people who were not doing things the way they should do things. The Jewish people thought that there were certain sacred traditions that people should abide by and adhere to. But the Gentiles had never heard of those traditions, but they heard of Jesus and they were excited about Jesus. And they didn't understand why all the other stuff was important on top of that. So Nonetheless, these Gentiles anxious to follow Jesus, they were trying to find their place. And Paul is trying to bring this very different congregation, very diverse congregation to a place of unity. So Paul takes advantage of the opportunity to speak to both sides and he attempts to unify them around the path that Christ has for each of them every day. To the Jews, they were obsessed with sacred rituals and sacred days and seasons and festivals, which is what he refers to there, one person esteems a day above the other. The Jews had certain days and certain seasons that they thought were more important than others. He calls them to realize that the days in between are just as sacred and just as important. 
Because there are some religious people that can make really big deals about certain days, but don't seem to care about the other days when it's as important to serve God on them as well. But to the Gentiles who were trying to figure out what it meant to walk in a personal relationship with God, Paul calls them to understand that while no single day is more important than another, every single day is a sacred place wherein they have been called to seek out Jesus and honor him. He gives us incredible insight about how often we are so focused on what someone else isn't doing that we're so focused on what someone else isn't doing a certain thing as intently or devoutly as we would and we are. Meanwhile, there are several other things that we are ignoring all the while. So Paul does a wonderful job at navigating these differences. And he does, in this text, he brings us all under conviction of God that we would seek out and live out our God-given purpose in each day. So I think this is an appropriate subject for us to breach because for some of us, the thought of moving to a new year is a somewhat heavy idea because, you know, we are still trying to process the previous year. Maybe we're bummed out because it didn't go like we thought it should or we're excited because it did. Uh, We give much thought to what we accomplished or didn't accomplish and we begin to process what's ahead of us. Uh, Maybe you're the type that evaluates the past year and makes resolutions for the new year and you are very serious about that. On the other hand, maybe there's somebody, uh, some of you are, are, are kind of indifferent. The passing of time is no big deal. What difference does it make? What year it is uh, to take even farther? Maybe you don't even give much thought to what God has called you to do on any given day or what any particular day may carry a significant weight for. So I think this text speaks to both extremes. It calls us to an important and sacred place before God. And I think it reminds us a couple of things. Number one, it reminds us that God is interested in every one of us in every day, and he has invested in us for each and every day. So that's what we're going to unpack from this text when we break it down in just a minute. But I think off the surface, this, this, this text reminds us that God is interested in every one of you, and he's interested in what you do and how you live on every day. God has invested in you for any given specific day. And go further than that. God desires that we be involved in his activity in that given day, that we be open to his inspiration that he might would lead us. So God is interested in you. God has invested in you. God wants you to be involved and inspired by him. So in the first few verses of this passage, Paul addresses the tension that often exists in the local church. He seeks to quickly break that tension and replace it with an atmosphere of acceptance and support. And what Paul does from verse 5 to 9 is twofold. First, he dismisses the notion that you have to be this type A person that is super rigid, goal-oriented, and OCD about days and rituals and routines. He dismisses that unless you're like that, then you don't have a place in God's kingdom. But secondly, he makes clear that being completely tuned out and completely careless is not an option for the believer as well. That we may not be in lockstep as the Jews were, but we must realize that every single day is a day that God has made in which we are called to live for him and honor him with our life. And the thing that makes Christianity distinct from every religion is that Christ brings value and purpose to each day, every season, in every situation. There is no mundane and there is no meaningless in the kingdom of God. 
And that, that is something that some of you need to write down and remember every single day because there are some days that will feel mundane and feel meaningless. But Jesus promises that he brings value and purpose to every day, every season, and all circumstance. He's not only found in the sacred and the ceremony, he's present in the trivial and in the small. Paul is saying to both sides of the aisle that more important than what we do or what we don't do is who we are, Christians, followers of Jesus. So in this passage, he confronts two different sides, of two different ends of the spectrum. He confronts the super rigid traditionalist that always obeys the rules, that always keeps the traditions, that's there at the right time, at the right place, at the right, in, the, in the right attire. He addresses the super rigid traditionalist and he also addresses the liberated anti-religious. They were, they were in the religion, they got out of it and they were saved and now they realize it's about a relationship they don't need all those traditions to be ever a follower of Jesus. You can do that if you want to, but you don't have to. Paul addresses both sides of the aisle here. And maybe you're on one, maybe you're somewhere in the middle, but I think this is beneficial to all of us because I think all of us have a little bits and pieces of all these. On one hand, if we come from a very religious background, we need to be warned that our traditions are empty and even their distractions if they become more defining than the one they're meant to exalt. If we find ourselves more passionate about observing the tradition than, and there's little follow through, then we fell into idolatry. On the other hand, if we don't come from a religious background and we have just come to Jesus and we're wary of rules and regulations because we see them as law and not gospel, we also need to take heed lest our liberated lifestyles be without direction and potentially dangerous because we can become more fascinated by our freedom in Christ than being found and secured in Christ and we begin seeking to abuse grace rather than appreciate it and allow it to change us. So at the end of the day, what matters most is a very important question. Did we seize the day for the one who made the day, who gave us the day, who made us just for the day? Because we can follow and observe our traditions perfectly. But the question is, did we follow our Savior and observe his will for that day? Come on, this is why some of you don't care for church people. Even though you're in church today, you don't really want to be around certain kinds of church people because they're very, very big on their traditions, but they don't really do much following Jesus when they're not in places like this. The question is, you can follow and observe your traditions all you want, but did you follow your Savior and observe his will for any day? Not just the sacred days, but every day. And the question also for the other side is, we can claim God's grace over our own works. And of course, we're saved by grace, not of works. It's not about what I do or you do. It's about what God has done. We can claim God's grace all we want though, but are we allowing God's grace to work in our lives? Because by no means are we saved by works, but God's grace does work and it changes our lives. So it brings us all to, I think, a very sobering question. Did we seize the day? For the one who made the day, who gave us the day, who made us for the day. Did we seize the day? 
Matt Chandler, a pastor in Texas at Village Church, has a saying that I have heard him preach many times, and it's very powerful, and it's guiding, uh, guides us and, and helps us understand the calling and calls over our lives. Every time he preaches it, it always speaks to me, and I thought I'd share it with you today. We were made for the day, and the day was made for us. Now, maybe you don't believe this. Maybe you have a hard time wrapping your arms around this. But that's what I think this text brings to us today. That you and I, we were made for this day, this season, this year, this place. We were made for the day and this day, as it has been designed by God, this day was made for us. What are we gonna do with it, that it now that it's been gifted to us, now that we have arrived at it? Again, look at verse seven through nine, and I want you to hear these verses once more. For none of us lives to ourselves, and no one dies to themselves, as in our lives are not a vacuum that begin and end for our own causes or for our own purposes. We were created by God, we're going back to God. We may look at a tombstone and see the beginning and the end, but before there was a beginning and after there is an ending, there is a God who created us and who we will give an account to. And those days God gives us, and he gives us a certain measure of days. The beginning to the end, God has given them to us. And verse eight punctuates it. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So the day that God has given us, God has given us these days. He has made us for these days. They belong to him. We belong to him. And we have a purpose in them. He says, for to this end, Christ died and rose and lives again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and the living. These verses seek to detach us from our man-made identifiers. You may see the value of the Christian traditions and you may never miss a service and I hope you don't. You may think that being saved by grace means there's no laws and no rules and in some instances that's true, but these verses challenge both extremes of the spectrum on which any Christian claims to dwell. These verses confronts our traditions and our confessions and examines our passions. They test our varied Christian convictions with this vital Christian calling. Our lives, their entire duration, and the various circumstances they bring are set apart for one purpose, and that is the glory of God. What does verse number eight say at the end? We are are the Lord's. See, everybody lives for something. And eventually we'll all die for something. We all live with passions on our hearts and we will die with certain convictions deep at our heart. And this scripture makes it very clear to us that whether we observe certain days as more important than others, every single day is meant for the glory of God. You see, the Jews only thought that Saturdays were special. You can do what you want to every other day, but Saturday, you gotta be there. The Gentiles, they thought, well, you know what? If this is by grace, then we're just gonna kind of linger around and do what we want and pop in and out every now and again. But Paul says, no, 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 you both have it wrong. Every single day is a purpose that God has given you and they were made for you and you were made for them. 
Every day we are placed for the glory of God. And when our last day comes, we will end this life in a way that is meant to glorify God. That's how I interpret these verses. And I don't think that you can reduce them down any slimmer than that. I'll tell you what I think. If this is true, it means that God is sovereign in his creating every one of us. And we believe that, don't we? That's what the Bible teaches from beginning to end, including where in time he places us and what generation he puts us. Do you ever think about that? That you didn't just happen to end up in the year 2022? That your life could not be replicated in any other year previous or after? That if we believe that God is a hands-on creator, if we believe that God is a personal God who creates us in his own image, then we cannot assume that we are accidentally or coincidentally living in the year that we have stepped into. I mean, don't we believe Psalm 139, verse 14? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. That God, we believe that's true about us. And that's true about you in the year 2022. Psalm 90 teaches us this. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That when we begin to understand that we were not accidentally, coincidentally placed at the place and time that we're at that it's actually for a very specific purpose that no one else could replicate or no one else could duplicate. So if we were made in the light of how sacred and precious all of life is, if we were made with God's design and his authorship over our lives, if we were asked to number our days with reverence and fear and awe and wonder, if we line that up with Romans 14, specifically seven through nine, that we live not for ourselves. We will one day die not for ourselves. We live for the Lord because we are the Lord's. And that means that we were made for the day. The day that we woke up to, the day that we are living in, we were made for that day. The place you're at, the time it is, the season, the circumstances, you were made for this. And you may think, I don't know if I was made for this, Justin. Do you know what's going on in the world? Have you checked out what's going on out there lately? Yes. And we were made for it. Don't let the world convince you that you're being robbed of something. Don't let the world convince you or the enemy convince you that somehow, someway, you're out of place or you're not where you need to be. God has placed you in these days. He is sovereign over these days. The place, the time, the season, the circumstances, you were made for them. And you are capable and you are able to rise up to your potential if you'll seek out what God has for you today. See, not only were you made for the day, the days were made for us. The unique and distinct, strong or weak person that you are, God made these days with you in mind. So it's not that he just puts you in a day and says, deal with it. That God designed these days with you in mind, knowing that these days have met their perfect match. You. You were not made for 1000 BC. You were not made for 30 AD. You were not made for 1850 AD. You were made for the day, the bracket that will one day be on all of our tombstones. And if we were to travel back in time at any point, we would not fit in any of those previous days. As cool as it might would be, we would reject them and they would reject us. 
the most pressing thing for us right now, because we might only now just be getting on board with this, we were made for the day we have in our hands, the leftovers of 2021. We have in front of us the opportunity of 2022. We cannot ignore our God-given purpose and responsibility to redeem each day for his glory. Because at its most basic level, verse seven through nine should be our guiding principles. I think to guarantee that these do indeed guide us, it would be helpful and edifying if we are reminded of what the phrase means in verse eight. We are the Lord's. What does that mean? That we belong to God. It's easy to underestimate and overlook the theological weight this statement brings. What does it mean to belong to God? And sometimes we forget what it means and what it took to make this our reality. So I would like for you to flip over real quickly with me before we close to Ephesians 2, 1 and 10. And I would like for you to just bookmark this passage and read this in the future because this is, this is helpful in giving us a foundation of our identity, our identity as creatures of God, creations of God, but also it gives us an understanding of who we are as a new creation in Christ. It anchors us that we were created by God. We are not self-created. We're not, we are God-created. We are born into this world with two paths in front of us. Because though we, were, though we were created by God, we face a world that is broken. So we have two paths in front of us, one of wrath or one of glory, one of vanity or one of, uh, a per, one of purpose, one of redemption or one of condemnation. Ephesians 2 makes it, or clarifies how we are dependent on God for salvation and in turn, how God's salvation defines us or redefines us. Hear with me, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, a passage I'm sure you're familiar with. And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience among whom also you were once conducted, we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling desires of the flesh, of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know what that last verse means? We were made for the day and the day was made for us. That God made us for these days in front of us and these days that we have arrived at were made with us in mind. I know that phrase, children of wrath, is not a very sensible title we use in these days, but this is the reality we exist in if we don't realize that God has created us and that God redeems us in Christ. 
In him we find redemption. We are transformed and transferred to his kingdom. And this is what allows us to realize and maximize the potential of being made for the day and the day being made for us. We are God's workmanship. We are called to live for him. And just to be honest with you, we also need to be aware that our days are numbered. We need to make sure that our living for him is preparing us to die for him. As in spend whatever could be the last moment of our life, maximizing and fulfilling our God-given calling and calls. Because what gain and what security is there in any other way? There's only risk. A couple things that Ephesians reveals about our identity. It reminds us that we have been saved from sin, but it also causes us to be confronted by the questions about the sins that still linger in our lives. Because they do, don't they? Are you being weakened by your sins? Or are you being raised up from them? Are you dead because of your sins? Are you still being dominated by that dead end nature of your flesh? Has God's grace intervened in your story? Has he redeemed your life? Our sin isn't gonna let loose of us that easy even after we know Jesus, but it's an experience we ought to be having again and again daily as believers as we seek the purpose of that day. So here's what we have to have ironed out before we can seize each day. These are what I call top button issues because if the top button isn't right, the rest of them won't go right. As we face a new day, as we face every new day this new year brings us, we must understand that each and every day is a day that God has made for which we have been made. We must seek him out in that day. Each and every day is a day that God has made for which we have been made. If we are not seeking him out, then we are betraying our most basic Christian identity. And listen, as we've discussed, our flesh attempts to get us to tune this out as soon as before, or before we even get out of bed or to get to work every day. This is a reality that we must remind ourselves of and renew ourselves in. If we don't, we will be children of wrath on that given day. And here's what happens if we don't refocus our lens around this every day. We will quickly and unexplainably and irrationally shift the blame for whatever goes wrong to somebody besides ourselves. If we don't see as every day having a purpose that God has made and that we've been made for that day, when things go wrong on that day, we will begin to look for somebody to blame. Listen, we have a responsibility as men and women, husbands, wives, employees and employers, teachers, students, managers and customers. We have a responsibility to get this right because we walk into environments every day that are full of people who don't regard what God has for them, who don't follow Jesus. So if we, the followers of Christ, don't get this right, I mean, it's a matter of death or life, wrath or glory, waste or purpose. Back in Romans, to wrap up, verse 10 through 12, Paul acknowledges that we're tempted to look at someone else as the problem. He says, why do you judge your brother? Why do you have contempt for your brother? For we will all stand before Jesus. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess before him. Each of us shall give an account of himself or herself to God. So what is Paul telling us here? We cannot allow who someone else is or isn't to distract us from who we are and who we are called to be. 
There's a lot of people who aren't what they should be. But we cannot allow that to distract us from who we are and who we are called to be because we won't give an account for who they were or who they weren't. Who we are on any given day, we are children of God, made for the day, for the glory of God, destined to give an account of what we did for God. So here's where we land this plane as we begin this new year. I know the last few years have not been ideal for anybody, but do you know who signs his name at the end of every one of those years, at the end of every one of those days? God, right? Who isn't pleased, he isn't pleased at how fallen and broken things are, but he is patiently working in the here and now to redeem every fallen and broken person so that we might be able to go into the ruin and the rubble of each day and be his workmanship to continue to fan the flame of his work of redemption. The Bible tells the story that God is building a household, a family, one sinner at a time, and he uses every one of us to rescue those that remain in sin. So that's why it's all the more vital. We must redeem each and every day that we might live for him so that his will might be accomplished in any given days, including these days. You and I were made for 2020. You and I were made for 2021. The chaos, the confusion, the pandemic, the politics, the unrest, we were made for those days to walk in them as children of God. Maybe things disrupted your plans a little bit the last couple of years, but could that be God trying to shake us and show us that his plans are better? And we must come to him in the midst of it all and find the better way. Whatever 2022 has in store for us, we must know that every day ahead of us is a day that he has made and the day that he has made for us specifically. No matter how we may feel initially, we were made for every day. Once more, Paul says, no one lives to themselves, no one dies to themselves. For if we live, we live to the Lord, because we are the Lord's. We are his workmanship. We are made for these days and let us vow to make the most of them. Every day, let us come before God and ask him to mold us and make us into who he desires us to be, that we might maximize our lives and even death for his glory. Because we will. We will, as verse 12 says, give an account for what we did with our time, the time that was made, especially for us, what we do in 2022. So who would join me? Who would join me in this time of invitation and response to hear this call from God and seize this day and this year for the work of God? Every day, no matter where you go and who you're with, you cannot forget your identity in Christ lest we devolve into a child of wrath. And then whose days will they be? Then whose kingdom will we build? As you think about 2022, just remember that you were made for it. And it was made for you. What you do with every day ahead reflects the work that God has done in your heart. So by all means, if your heart is not in sync with God, with the word he's put before us, let us start the year off right and let's ask God to rescue and redeem and repurpose us for him. If you're a Jesus follower, then you know that every day he's leading you and calling you by this cause. 
We were made for 2022 and 2022 was made for us. No one is more prepared to handle this year than you. No one is more called to serve God in this year than you. When God is lining up the events for this year, he was thinking of you because he was creating a platform that you might use for his glory and contribute to his kingdom. So then, whether we live or whether we die in the year to come, it's the Lord's and we are the Lord's. So when you add together 2022 plus us, you get God's latest plan to bring redemption to the world and build up his kingdom for the world to come. That's his plan for us. And that's what he he is inviting us all to declare today is our plan for this year, to participate in his redemption and to build up his kingdom. This is why Jesus died and the purpose that he ascended to heaven with, to shine, to share with us his passion that we might seize every day for his glory and his kingdom. Because as we've said plenty today, we were made for these days and these days were made for us. May his passion fuel and inspire us in every day that lies ahead. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word that gives us clarity and gives us conviction. If not for you guiding us, Lord, we would be completely lost. We would fall into some alternative way. We would fall into some wasteful lifestyle. Lord, I don't know where everybody comes from today and what what's part of the spectrum they're at today. Maybe they are very specific about their traditions or maybe they're just trying to find their way and they haven't really settled on anything yet. Lord, you've called us all to a place of unity today. You've called us all to this place of awareness that these days in front of us were made for us and we were made for them and we cannot let this opportunity slip past us. Because nobody else was made for these days but us. And these days were not made for nobody else but us. Lord, help us, help it to sink in on our hearts today that we were made for you. As we read in Ephesians, we were remade and redeemed for you. So Lord, let us declare as a people today that these days ahead of us will be spent for your glory. Lord, if there's somebody today that needs to prepare their heart for you, maybe they've never put their faith in Jesus. They've never followed him for the first time. They'd like to step out and say, I wanna follow Jesus because I see he has given purpose to every day. I don't wanna live in vanity. I don't wanna live in wrath. I don't wanna live with questions in the air in 2022. I want to live with certainty. I want to live with confidence. I want to live as a follower of Jesus because he has made me and he has made me for these days specifically. I want to make the most of them. Lord, regardless of where this lands, would you, would you wire all of our hearts to take serious this opportunity in front of us to seize the day for the glory of God? We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.